As we continue worshiping today, please rise uh, as you're able and receive these words from the gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around his son and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the elder son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. You've never even given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. 
Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Receive what the Spirit is saying. I invite you now, together with all of us, to pray. God of grace and God of mercy, I pray that your Spirit would be poured out once again upon us. Open us to receive what you have for us, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, for you and you alone are my rock and redeemer. Amen. Here at Foundry throughout this Lenten season, we're focused on our call to practice sacred resistance. And we've been searching the scriptures to deepen our understanding of this way of being and acting in the world. In the years after I wrote the book, Sacred Resistance, a related phrase has consistently been knocking around in my head and my heart. Sacred tenderness. It's become ever more clear to me that how we understand God, who God is, what God is like, will set a course for all our thinking, our feeling, and our acting. It affects everything. And our culture continues to be inundated with the idea that the Christian God is more about control, judgment, and punishment than about liberation, mercy, and new life. This is fueled, I believe, in part by news media generally persisting in narrowly using Christian as shorthand for the more legalistic, exclusive, fear and control-based version of the faith. The well-known parable we receive today, however, presents a very different version and vision of God, highlighting the tenderness of God. Tenderness may evoke weakness for some, but I believe that it is fuel for true strength. I believe that the strength to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, the strength to practice sacred resistance, comes from the sacred tenderness of God, and in a very precise way. Sacred resistance begins in the tender heart of God. Remember that it's the result of God's love and our response that, that creates this overwhelming tenderness. Out of an overflowing love desiring to be shared, God creates the world and all that is. 
Out of love, God seeks relationship with you and me and all humankind. Out of love, God provides everything we need to live in peace and in joy and in justice and in wholeness. And when we, God's children, turn away from God and our love fails, God's love remains steadfast. You see, God resists abandoning us. God could have and could at any moment choose to let us go, to write us off. Across the ages, God's people make promise after promise only to get distracted and wander off into the emptiness of self-made idols and the conflict that inevitably results as the fruit of injustice. God loves us and wants to be close to us. We so often pay lip service to God and want to be close to our stuff. It's an old story that gets repeated through the ages, but here's the thing. God consistently resists leaving us alone. God, like the father with his two sons in the parable, chooses to stay with us, to never give up on us, to keep calling us to live into the image that is our birthright. God loves us with an everlasting, stubborn love. That fierce, tender love is the model and the fuel for sacred resistance, because you see, resistance is only sacred if it is fueled by love. Love that looks upon each person with a desire for their well-being. Love that looks upon human community with a desire for healing and peace with justice. Love that looks into all creation with a desire for mending and reverence. Love that is compassionate and merciful, love that is stubborn and sacrificial. This sacred tenderness is how God loves the world. This is how God loves you. This is how God created you to love. While the son was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Jesus' parable imbues the father in the story with the sacred tenderness and stubborn love of God. The father doesn't turn away or run away. The father's been waiting and watching for any sign of the beloved child's return. And when that one appears, there is no hesitation. He runs toward this precious one, with an embrace. Henry Nouwen gently teaches this parable using the image of seeking our true home. In the parable, both the younger and the elder son were disconnected from their true home. 
The younger son intentionally wanders away and breaks all the rules. And the elder son is lost, even though he's remained close and labored to be the good son. The home they both struggle to find is that place where they can rest in the love of their parents, their father. That place where they can trust that they've always been loved, loved even when they were ungrateful, even when they were making terrible, foolish choices, even when they were cruel, even when their resentment bubbled over, even when pride held them hostage. In the midst of it all, home is waiting. God is watching for any sign of turn, of return. And God runs to the elder just as to the younger. God goes out to meet the one on the road and to the other outside the feast, entreating each to enter into the love and the joy and the embrace of home. Jesus leaves the story with an open ending. The invitation and the embrace are offered, but we really don't get to hear how it all turns out. The younger and elder sons may yet fail to truly get home. There remains an open ending for us as well. Are we willing to open our hearts and our lives to the sacred tenderness of God? Can we believe, can you believe that God will forgive you, that God loves you, even when you don't love God back, even when you've done your worst, even when you're at your worst? Our story today reveals the tenderness of God, our loving parent. Based on the culture of the time when this story was first told, when the son says, give me the share of the property that will belong to me, he's demanding the inheritance that would have come at his father's death. He might as well have said to his dad, I can't wait for you to die. This is a supreme insult and a deep wound. And the father would have been seen by his peers as weak and disgraceful for granting the younger son's insolent demands. But when that son appears at the end of the road, the father is out the door like a flash. Regardless of what would be considered appropriate behavior, the father just loves the son, offers grace and embrace and forgiveness. And the extravagance of the father's love for his child is symbolized by the sacrifice of the fatted calf, a gesture reserved at the time only for VIPs. This 
party was a blowout bash. And when the elder child throws his temper tantrum about it, the father extends the same love and tenderness to him. At the heart of the story, at the heart of the whole gospel is the promise that God's love, that God's mercy, God's compassion, God's forgiveness are extended to everyone, even those deemed unworthy. Because remember, the reason Jesus tells this parable at all is because he had been seen and observed giving the good stuff to people who didn't deserve it, which caused some religious folk to start grumbling. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, friends, before we go making ourselves saints, let's pause for just a moment. You know, we might think we would never do such a thing. We'd never take such issue. But just consider, I'm going to assume some of our potential reaction if Jesus accepted an invitation to eat and drink and be merry with certain current senators ahead of accepting an invitation to a certain Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's home. It is difficult for us not to make God into a God who should only show love and compassion and mercy to those whom we think deserve it. Jesus welcoming sinners, Jesus having mercy on sinners, Jesus loving and forgiving sinners is the point. And that's good news for you and me. Sinners don't deserve the fatted calf. We don't deserve the fatted calf. We don't deserve embrace. We haven't earned the family name beloved. We haven't done anything ourselves to warrant God's sacrifices of love. We don't deserve the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world through love and humility and friendship and embrace and solidarity with us, even unto death into the cross. It's pure grace. Our tender, loving God, just as any loving parent, makes sacrifices to help us thrive and bears with all of us, doesn't give up on us, keeps believing in us, resists abandoning us, just keeps loving us no matter what. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that kind of love has saving power. That kind of love has saving power. That kind of love has the power to take away the sins of the world and ultimately 
to give us peace. Thanks be to God.